Lissington Falls News Review Now with the Oom is on the air. This is Blissington Falls News Review Now for Tuesday, September 10th, 2019. As always, I'm Trizzy and... I'm always Ume, and I always love you. This is Ume. Ume, we're going to Universal Studios Japan in less than two weeks. I'm so excited. Are you? Uh-huh. I know you are. Ume, what's your favorite attraction at USJ? I like the Jaws. Jaws? You like the Jaws ride? Uh-huh. The Jaws. That's very fun. The Jaws. The Jaws. Yes, it is. The Jaws. The Jaws. The Jaws is a fish, a big, big fish. This kind of fish is called a shark. The Jaws is not your friend, though. But maybe if you were nice to the Jaws, the Jaws would be your friend. He swims around Amity and he bites people. And some of the people don't like it, but... I think if they took time to pet the jaws, then he would purr just like a cat. Of course, Ume. Just like a cat. I think so. Don't you, Mommy? We should be nice to Jaws. We should try being nice to him when he swims next to our boat next time. Good. I want to make friends with him. I want to invite him to our next Halloween party. Oh, I'm pretty sure he's coming, invitation or not. Yay! Anyway, with that settled, here's another little Trizzy's Trizzyween treat, part of our long Halloween celebration here at Blissington Falls News Review Now. She can't be here today because she's studying for her big math test, which she's sure to fail. Instead, here's, you know, me, old Trizzy, with a report about the big Halloween kickoff event at USJ. I like little Trizzy. She's me when I was a kid. I know. Saturday, September 7th, saw the opening of Universal Studios Japan's surprise Halloween event in Osaka. First weekend guests have started posting their videos to YouTube already, so you can join in the fun in a vicarious sort of way. I, for one, was so excited about the event, I woke up at 5 a.m. thinking about all the people who would be boarding Shinkansens and local trains bound for Konohanaku, Osaka, which is where the park officially resides. 
Temperatures hit the mid-90s, and on Sunday a typhoon lashed into the Kanto region and drenched areas east of Osaka, especially Tokyo. But the zombies and monsters and guests at USJ still had sunshine and, I guess, moonshine for a spooky fun time. Right, Ume? I think so. Ume and I are monitoring the weather for our own trip later this month, but let's talk about what's the same, as always, and what's different this year at USJ's Surprise Halloween. We've already discussed the new attractions in detail and given you information on the Express Passes, so let's take a look at the park's Horror Nights zombie lineup for 2019. Are zombies nice? That's a difficult question, Ume. Zombies are not nice in the movie. Which movie? The zombie movie. They go rah. Yes, they do. And they do bad things, Mommy. I'm not sure which of the many zombie movies you've watched with me you're talking about, though. It has zombies, and the zombies are dead, but they can still walk, and they do bad things. That one. Oh, of course, that one. The zombies in that movie are bad, but the zombies at USJ are only sort of bad. They'll scare you if you want them to, but if you don't, they usually just leave you alone. And they will sometimes do funny things for your photos. Oh. Anyway, with that settled... I don't understand... We'll try to sort this out later, Ume, okay? Okay. Thank you, Mommy. You're welcome, sweet Ume. Returning zombies for 2019 are the cuties, my favorites, because I want to be one of them, the prison zombies, a long-running variety dating back to the biohazard Resident Evil storyline overlay from years ago, plus pirates, tribal, circus, and two new types, the monster and mummy zombies. I'm not sure the monsters are technically zombies, though. The ones I saw in videos seem to be werewolves and medusas. Oh, and skeletons. The mummy zombies are exactly that. Bandaged... Mummies. Mummies. Bandaged... They are mummies. Bandaged mummies. Or mummies. Or mummies, Ume. These replaced last year's punk, toxic, and mutant zombies. Some of the zones have been switched as well. Last year, the prisoner zombies occupied the Hollywood area, and the cuties were in the center of New York, and the pirates and punks along the next street over, running from the Spider-Man ride all the way to the San Francisco area. And in the San Francisco area itself were the toxic zombies, which were actually scientists and their experimental victims. The mutants and tribal zombies took over Jurassic Park. This year, the monsters have overrun Hollywood, and the pirates are pillaging the lagoon front area around Mel's Diner. The prisoners are in the New York street where the cuties used to have their school bus. This pushed the cuties into San Francisco, where they are joined by zombie cops who used to try to police the punks. Then come the mummy zombies just inside Jurassic Park, and the tribal zombies once again doing their thing alongside them. Your safety areas are, as always, the Universal Wonderland Children's section and the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. The only drawback is if you have sensitive, horror-averse people in your group or small children, you still have to traverse the scare zones to get out of the park at closing. 
so stick to the sidewalks and you should be fine, but watch out crossing the streets. This year's Zombie Day Dance has been choreographed by Jay Soul Brothers, and I believe it's called the Rat Tat Tat Dance. The dance itself is demonstrated on YouTube by Jay Soul Brothers and some other dancers. has some fairly simple moves and some that are a bit more complex, but in action it appears from videos coming out of the cutie zone to be just the easier parts. Heads up, rat tat tat, hands down, rat tat tat. You're in such a tight mob, you wouldn't really be able to do some of the other hopping steps anyway. Teams of zombies perform the full dance on stages. The regular street zombie choreography is very different from last year's as well. Last year seemed overall more elaborate. I'll miss the cutie zombie school bus installation, but last year it seemed to create a choke point when the cuties would board it for part of their show and hundreds of guests would surround it to take photos. There's a car in the prison zone where the school bus used to be, but it seems though movement for crowds will be easier for the park staff to manage this year. If they have to sacrifice dance segment scale for increased safety and ease of moving around to experience each zombie scare zone and the regular attractions, then I think that's a fair trade-off. Some other differences are more cosmetic. The sweater stripe tights school uniform cuties now have some costume modifications to make them more menacing. I'm not sure if this is part of the new Dr. Chaos backstory, but these particular cuties now have Edward Scissorhands like robot or bionic forearms and hands, plus green glowing light-up visors they might have stolen from last year's toxic scientists. They look scarier than ever. The sweet or gothic Lolita types are still in full effect. This is important to me because, as I've said before, these are the zombies that I have the most affinity for. They're more eerie and comedic by turns than the prisoners and pirates, who are simply scarier. But some of their actions can still be off-putting or even disturbing to more sensitive people, so be warned. There's still some shock imagery in the cuties act. It may appeal to my darkly cute sensibilities, but I know this kind of stuff isn't for everyone, and even I have my limits. USJ doesn't reach them for me, so the whole scene is just trizzy fun, but I want you to know what you're getting into. I can't get into the monsters or mummies because I haven't experienced them yet, but I do know the opening scene, once again, takes place on the Gramercy Park stage in New York, but now features some inline skating zombies doing stunts on some half pipes or skating ramps, and that's pretty spectacular. And some things are comfortingly the same as usual. The daytime playlist, for example. In the videos I watched, the songs remain the same as always, and I am grateful for that. One of my favorite aspects of the park's daytime atmosphere is hearing Monster Mash or Time Warp from the Rocky Horror Picture Show alongside the pop hits and family-friendly Halloween songs of Andrew Gold and Sue Schnitzer. It's just not Halloween without It Must Be Halloween, Spooky Scary Skeletons, Creature from the Tub, and Schnitzer's Halloween Party. I'll have a more personal first-hand report after I get back from the park later this month. Are you excited, Ume? I can't wait to see Snoopy and Hello Kitty. Me too, Ume. Me too. This is my absolute favorite time of year, and going to USJ Surprise Halloween as many times as I can afford to is my favorite thing to do. 
other than spending time with you, Ume. Aww. And next, for Little Trizzy's Trizzyween Treat, we have a movie review. dense tourists visit Transylvania, they ignore all advice and end up unleashing Dracula, the Prince of Darkness, which, coincidentally enough, is the title of Hammer Films' third Dracula movie. But for some reason, it's just the second film in the series actually to feature Dracula, played by Christopher Lee. And amazingly enough, Lee would make just his second red-eyed, caped, and fanged appearance in this 1966 entry, directed once again by Terence Fisher, who also helmed the first Hammer Dracula, 1958's Horror of Dracula. That's what we call it in the U.S. anyway. In the U.K., they call it simply Dracula. Hammer followed this with Fisher's The Brides of Dracula in 1960, which saw Peter Cushing return as Van Helsing, but no Lee. But yeah, here he is again, my favorite cinematic Dracula, doing his thing silently this time because, according to Wikipedia, Lee hated the script so much he refused to speak his lines. Jimmy Sangster, who wrote Horror and Brides as well as this one, says, No way, vampires don't speak. Which is a strange argument to make when one has written at least two films in which they most plainly do. Horror is a tight condensing and simplification of Bram Stoker's novel, and of course Cushing and Lee make for memorable adversaries. In Prince of Darkness, it really doesn't matter much that Lee either had no lines or refused to speak the ones they gave him. Lacking Cushing, he really has no one worthy of playing against here. It's not that the acting is subpar or anything like that. It's the script is pretty much a letdown. Pitting a Count Dracula, who is nothing more than a nearly mindless monster, versus a quartet of nincompoops, plus Andrew Keir as a stern priest who loves his rifle even more than he loves warning people away from Carlsbad and Dracula's castle. Fisher's direction, though, is stylish and makes the most of the paltry material, and he does elicit some sympathetic performances by his main players as the touring stupids. I mean, they are really, really really, really stupid, but you probably won't hate spending time with them anyway. Also, Philip Latham is fairly creepy as Clove, Dracula's devoted butler, but he's a pale figure compared to Christopher Lee when his heart is in it. And even as half-hearted as Lee seems here, there's no denying his compelling presence when he's all suited up in black. After all, he's the one we came to see, not Clove. What really livens this mediocre entry is the beautiful technoscope photography by Michael Reed. If you can live with the blurry miniature shot of Dracula's house, they use way too many times. Oh, and that vivid red Hammer Films blood. And there's lots of it, especially in one scene in particular. I watched this via the 2018 Scream Factory Collector's Edition Blu-ray, which contains both the UK and the US releases, and it certainly looks lovely. It's a 4K scan, and they did a sweet job of it. Even with a bummer of a script, a Hammer Films Dracula always has style. 
everyone in Dracula Prince of Darkness deserves better. That goes for Terrence Fisher and, of course, Christopher Lee, cinema's greatest Dracula. reports Will Poulter has landed a lead role in the Amazon streaming Lord of the Rings series. I think we'd better get used to having Will Poulter around for a while. I last saw him in Detroit, but I first noticed him in War Machine, the satirical Netflix movie about the war in Afghanistan starring Brad Pitt as a general. He's also in The Revenant, which I haven't seen, and the recent Ari Aster horror movie Midsummer, which I probably won't see. Who do you think Poulter is playing in Lord of the Rings, Ume? I don't know. Okay, then. The same variety story tells us Markella Cavanaugh is in talks for a part in L-O-T-R, as its friends call it, too. The Lord of the Rings series is being developed by the writing team of J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay. In addition, Game of Thrones alum Brian Cogman has signed on as a consulting producer on the project with J.A. Bayona, set to direct multiple episodes. Lord of the Rings is executive produced by Lindsay Weber, Bruce Richmond, Gene Kelly, and Sharon Tal Yaguado. Also making this massive monster of a series are writers and executive producers Jennifer Hutchinson, Jason Cahill, and Justin Doble. Consulting producers Stephanie Folsom, producer Ron Ames, writer and co-producer Helen Shang, and writing consultant Glennies Mullins. Payne and McKay are developing the series, and Bayano will executive produce along with his partner Belen Etianza. Lots of producers, Ume. Uh-huh. Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, which sees Margot Robbie producing and starring as the fantabulously emancipated One Harley Quinn, has a new teaser trailer from DC that is intended only for trailers, to be shown before It Chapter 2 and not online. Only it's already been fantabulously emancipated, and you can find it thanks to a leak somewhere, somehow. Variety has a description of it, so I might as well tell you I've seen it too, and I'm sure you have as well. Anyway, first there's the DC logo and a bunch of It red balloons, then Harley shows up and smashes them away with her big mallet and says words to the effect that clowns are passé as far as she's concerned. Then there are a lot of darkly lit images of Ewan McGregor as Mr. Zaz, and I think a brief close-up of Ella J. Basco as Cassandra Kane, who in the comics would headline her own series as Batgirl before switching to Black Bat. These days, and in the readjusted continuity, she's the orphan. 
I'm not sure what she'll be in this Harley Quinn movie. I just hope she thumps people instead of being a helpless object for the opposing teams to struggle over. Right, Ume? I don't know. Oh, Ume. We are looking forward to this movie. Love what Margot Robbie is putting together there. And the cast is fantabulous. It opens in the U.S. Fabu uh, February 7th, 2020. Tokyo Comic Con opens at Makohari Mese Hall in Chiba, Japan on Friday, November 22nd and runs Saturday the 23rd and Sunday the 24th. Headlining celebrity guests include Orlando Bloom, Rupert Grant, and Sebastian Stan. According to the TCC website, they tried to get Stan last year, but he was shooting a film and couldn't make it. So this will be his very first visit to Japan. And they announced in August, movie Captain Marvel Zachary Levy will also be there. Advanced admission three-day passes are for 7,500 yen before tax, and they're available now online at Ticketpia and Holicon Tokyo. For single days, general admission is 3,200 yen on Friday and Sunday, but 3,500 yen for Saturday. For junior high and high school students, individual passes are 2,200 yen each day. This is all before taxes. Admission for elementary school age and younger is free. But note, tickets for the autograph photograph sessions with the main stars are not available just yet for advance order, and they are going to be a bit pricey. Grant will cost you 22000 for a photo, Bloom goes for 27000 while just getting autographs will cost you 21000 yen for Grant's and 26000 for Bloom's. Never having attended a convention before in my life, I have no idea if these are reasonable or not. You decide. No word on Stan or Levy at this time either. In Blissington Falls News Review Now news, your good friend Trizzy will be at this convention for two days, and I'll try to have a report for you afterwards. Are you going to this convention? Yes, I am, Ume. Am I? Mm, I'm sorry. I just think there will be too many people there. You're going to have to sit this one out, Ume. Okay. And that's enough entertainment. Have fun. I will, thank you. And that's enough entertainment news for this week's show. Marvel released Marvel Comics 1000 on August 28th, and it's 89 pages featuring what the Marvel website calls the entirety of the Marvel Universe of characters. I flipped through it on Kindle earlier today, and I thought I looked pretty hard, but I didn't see Danny Moonstar. I'm sure she must be in there somewhere. She's Danny Moonstar, after all. Dozens of writers, artists, colorists, and creators worked on this book, each team, doing a one-page story covering an important event in each of Marvel's 80 years of existence. Okay, the importance of some of the events represented strikes me as a bit dubious, but then again, there are stretches where I wasn't a regular Marvel Comics reader, and maybe these are your big earth-shaking happenings and not mine. I mean, I did miss many of these 80 years for not having been born. Maybe ducking in and out of the comic scene here and there cost me some Marvel history. Well, whatever. Instead of doing a full review of this book, I thought we'd just ask a few famous Marvel characters what they think. Does that sound like a good idea, Ume? Uh-huh. Okay, I'm glad you approve.
And here we are in New York City, where most of Marvel's characters live and work and... Hi, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man here, doing a street remote. Wow, everyone, it's Spider-Man himself, wearing what appears to be a paper sack over his head and a turtleneck tee and corduroy jacket. Are you... Are you, are you sure you're Spider-Man? Of course I'm sure. If I wasn't the ever-loving wall crawler, would I be able to do this? Wow, you really are Spider-Man. Why aren't you in your costume? I'm, uh... I had a little tough luck fighting Hydro-Man at the water treatment plant, and I'm running my spider jammies through the coin laundry across the street over there. <laughs> just like in the comics. Just like in the what? Never mind, I hey, just... Hey, look, it's Puny Parker talking to a girl. Wearing a bag on your head's probably a good idea, Parker, you little creep. Hey, baby, if you get tired of chatting with this science runt, I'm Flash Thompson. I'm heading down to the park to toss the pigskin around with some cool guys. Why don't I'm you... I'm not... I'm, I'm not this Parker guy. I'm Spider-Man. Nice try, Drip. Trying to impress your lady friend, huh? You're Peter Parker, resident egghead and wuss. For a dollar, I'd tie you into a pretzel, but then I'm Flash Thompson, and I don't need to play parlor tricks to impress the chicks, right? Uh... I'm not Peter Parker. I'm the Amazing Spider-Man. Sure you are. Well, if you ask me, you're both a couple of nerds. Go on and kiss each other if you got the guts. Eh, I don't have time to hang out with a couple of clowns. Check you later, losers. Wow, what a jerk. I, I don't know who he's talking about. Peter Parker? <laughs> I'm Spider-Man. Well, I'd better go get my suit. I'm Dark Child and Queen of Limbo, known in the earthly realm you inhabit as magic, and I wield the Soul Sword. What do I care about comic books? Hey, Ilyana, Magnum P.I.'s about to come on. You watching or not? <gasps> Coming, Sam! Spider-Man, hero or menace? The whole city knows where I stand on this issue, the whole country. You got any photos of that masked criminal? I'll buy them from you. Got any? Uh, no. I've got a paper to run. Who are you and why are you hounding me? On second thought, doesn't matter who you are, you're fired. I don't work for you. You don't? You seem like a young go-getter there with your microphone and your glasses. How about you come work for me in the newspaper business? Right down the hall, human resources. They'll have you fill out an application form, but don't worry about that. That's just getting you into the system. Fill out everything they give you, that's for taxes. Health insurance, 401k. Then come back and look right over there, an empty desk. That's yours. Fill the drawers with your stuff. Then get yourself a cardboard box out of the copy machine room and put all that crap into it instead and clear the building because you're fired. And Petunia's favorite nephew, blue-eyed bashful Benjamin J. Grimm. Looking for an autograph? Here, I'll give you the real Magilla. There you go, kid. Say, you ain't one of them Yancey Street bombs, are you? Not that I know of, no. Great. I can't stand around here yapping all day. Gotta go punch that lousy, crummy Johnny right in the mouth. He set fire to my beetle wig collection and I owe him one of my patented Sunday punches. God, Professor Xavier is such a jerk. Grounding me and making me stop being an X-Man just because Ilyana and I sneaked out to see Bananarama and Casey Flight at the Palladium? That's totally unfair. Professor Xavier isn't just a jerk. He's a m***ing jerk. Uh, 
they want to know the truth about that accursed, or even Richards, self-styled hero and leader of the so-called Fantastic Four, I would not room with him at Emmaus State University. For all his vaunted intelligence, he seemed more interested, unless his wife had known around the dorm, in using his mind to conjure up organistic fantasies involving himself and a array of decadent Hollywood starlets upon whose scantily clad countenances in photographs illustrating a certain glossy fashion magazine intended for young American wastrels, he cast his eager gaze in the last toilet stall of a communal bathroom for hours. He claimed to be meditating to focus his thoughts, but it was widely known this was not the case. Curse that Richards! Victim of Undoom yet had his vengeance of Richards and his companions. Had a word with Lambert! in there? Our TV show is pretty important stuff for Marvel, right? I haven't seen a copy, but I can't imagine they'd leave me out. My friends and I debuted on Saturday, September 12, 1981, and stayed in NBC's lineup until 1986. Then I went on to help found the new warriors in the comic books. Pretty big deal, huh? Oh, wait, what's this? A note from Peter about a UFO in the pine woods off campus? I don't know where Bobby is, but I'd better go check it out. Oh, a heat-sensing boomerang with a freezing ray. No! None of that was particularly helpful, was it? No.